Welcome to the Whiskey Congress. Honest, open talk dedicated to speaking the truth to those who are open to hearing it. Black, white, right, left. Most importantly, honest, bold, and fueled by good whiskey. In Whiskey Veritas, we are Whiskey Congress. Join the evolution. Whiskey Congress is back in session. Steve and I are back together in the Cleveland studio. How are you? I am good. There's a bunch of shit to talk about, brother. A lot of shit to talk about. Um, a lot of good stuff to talk about. Little, you know, little some of the old and some new and a uh, little bit of everything in between. So we recently um, acknowledged, uh, that's a gross word to use, but the best I can do, the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre. Yeah. Something that I knew about prior to watching the show, uh, the HBO series Watchmen, mm-hmm. only because you and I had talked about it. I knew yeah. nothing of this. One thing before we even get into that, I have a friend in Buffalo that I hang out with. I actually stay at his house when I go there. He's a history teacher. Hmm. He went to school to teach, went to school, to grad school to teach history, took five advanced history classes. Oh, no. Did not know about it until no. well after college. I mean, it's it's not a surprise. It's um, not. I asked him point blank in his kitchen, just like, dude, did you know about this? He said, no. So once I learned about it, I literally thought to myself, how the fuck? Yeah. It just never get taught. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it didn't. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that most people who know about it found out through other sources. They didn't learn about it in school. Um, you know, some one of our Twitter followers, you know, sent a message and said, you know, he's from Ohio but doesn't live here now. And was like, you know, growing up in Ohio, I, I mean, did, did you learn about this? Because I'm like, no. I, it wasn't, wasn't taught in school. I learned my dad... You know, my dad taught, told me about the different riots and, like, essentially massacres that, um, you know, where, where black people were just slaughtered. Um, it was during the, the, the L.A. riots after um, Rodney King is when, is when I first really remember he and I having that conversa- conversation, which, I mean, I was, what, maybe 12? I was 22, so yeah. Right. I was, actually, I just turned 21, you were 11. Right, so, you know, I mean, in the early 90s, 91-ish, that's the first conversation me and my dad had about it, and he talked about Tulsa and Rosewood and, you know, Philly and, you know, all these other... Tuskegee, um, probably. Um, no, we didn't talk about that as much at that point in time. That was a different conversation okay. we had um but you know just the, the the different times this happened on our last show i kind of got into it a little bit just about how dev- just think about it right like i mean and if you look at a map and i think i actually found the map and then tweeted it out and if i didn't i will um but you know if you look at a map of where situations like this happen where you had 10 or more people killed um, they're, they're littered all over the map, you know, sure. and, and a lot of them are post-Civil War through the turn of the century, um, but they go all the way up through, like, the 60s, right? right? And, I think the Philly thing was, like, 63 right. or something like that. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff, like, I mean, it went on for a long time, and, you, and, and it was literally, in, in starting with Tulsa, you had these pockets where, you know, black people had carved out their space, and they built homes, they built businesses, they had their own economy, they, you know, every, lawyers, doctors, dentists, accountants, everything. They had their yeah. own, you know, self-sufficient um, uh, society, essentially. And, you know, they were, they were 
they had money. They, it was the, the, you know, the idea of building general, generational wealth. It starts in situations like that. Um, and it was destroyed. Um, multiple times in multiple, multiple cities. times yep. in multiple cities. And then you go and, and you know, people now want to go to what black people haven't done, what they're not capable of. And it's just like, well, over the last hundred years, we've done it. But it's literally like every time we do it, it gets literally burned to the ground. And when you mix that with you can't live here, you can't go to school there, you can't shop here, um, you, you, you can't have access to capital, um, it, all, when you mix all that together for 150 years after the Civil War, it's, I don't understand why it's so hard to see why things are the way they are. And the crazy thing is, is that even through all that, the, the, the resiliency and the success that black people have had, right? Like we talk a lot about these very traumatic instances that happened, you know, Tulsa massacre a hundred years ago with, you know, dozens more that happened after that. And you, we had people like Barack Obama and Oprah and, you know, we've had black congressmen and senators and doctors and lawyers and, um, you know, just successful entrepreneurs of, of, you know, various sectors. So, you know, it, it shows the resiliency in what people are capable of, but you can't help but wonder what if, right? What, what if you had a society that was more accepting of people that were different than them, that weren't afraid of, you know, other people reaching the same status and not thinking that that meant that was going to take something away from them. Um, you just wonder what if. And the Tulsa massacre is a huge representation of that. I mean, the consequences of success. If I do this, I will be targeted by a group. And the thing that I think is most important, compelling, whatever you want, however you want to say it, is hundreds. We don't know the exact number, but hundreds of people in the Tulsa massacre were killed. And there was zero repercussion from the state, local, or federal government. Right. None. You know, I mean, and the fact that it took nearly 100 years for it to be really, for it to become something that people talk about, for it to become something that people know right. about and acknowledge, you know, it literally took 100 years before a U.S. president actually went there to acknowledge that it happened, uh, just shows the 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 effort to literally whitewash history. I was going to say whitewash is the right you know, word. I mean, awkwardly. And, and it's interesting because, uh, you know, when, you know, people were really animated about tearing down the Civil War statues, the the big thing was, well, it's going to erase history. How, how are <laughs> we going to think of that context? But you know what shit, I mean? Like, yeah. how, how are we going to remember the Civil War, right, if, if we don't have these statues, Right. Well, Tulsa, we're not even asking for a statue, right? We're actually, we're asking, all, all we're asking you to do is at least put it in the history books with the Civil War. I mean, it's been documented, you know, I mean, everybody knows General Lee and everybody knows about, you know, the, the Battle of Antietam and, and, and you know, sure. I mean, they, they, they know about the Civil War. So taking away this, those statues doesn't really impact the people's history not, thing was right, bullshit. It was argument. bullshit, but my, my point is, is that, you know, with the Tulsa, like we did, we did. They intentionally didn't put it in history books because they wanted it to go away. Yeah, right. And and the the thing I've heard over and over again, and this actually relates back to my trip to Buffalo because that same guy is a teacher and he had to deal with a student's parent years ago. This guy's a fucking douche, and I I'm half tempted to call out his Twitter handle, but I'm not going to. The parent or the parent is a oh, douche. Okay. Yeah, 
And he, he's now all over Twitter with, um, my kids are being told to feel guilty for being white. It's like, no, you douche. No one's saying you should feel guilty for being white. You should acknowledge that really bad shit happened to black people in this country. It was wrong and we need to get better. Right. But no one's saying, oh, your kid needs to, you know, right. whatever. No, just acknowledge the truth. Acknowledge it was horrible. Move forward. Know that that was, I mean, when I, when I say things are unacceptable, like I've talked about like behaviors in the office in the 50s. This goes so far beyond that. Yeah. That it's I not mean, murder of hundreds of people in a city and the government is turning their back and going, yeah, well, that happens. Um, right. You know, I mean, it just, it, it's, I think for me, one of the, I guess one of the hardest things to accept is the, yes, the lack of accountability, but the fact that it went unacknowledged. Right. Sure. And so it means that the, the, those people's lives and everything that they built was worth so little to the people who, you know, literally carry on history in this country. And it shows you who does. Right. Um, that they don't mention it anywhere. Right. Although Crispus Attucks out there, Crispus Attucks was killed in the Boston Massacre. Six people died. One of them was black. Crispus Attucks is is, you know, you know, given a hero's welcome is like. This man was killed while trying to defend America. Great. Hundreds of people died. Not because of the, the Boston Massacre is a weird thing right. anyway. But um, just like, oh, you're trying to have a good community? Well, you're black and we don't like that you're thriving and we're probably not doing as well as you because you formed a community, you formed businesses, you formed this. So we're going to murder hundreds of people with impunity. And, oh, it's really not fun for us to tell kids about that in high school. All right, we whitewash a lot of history in junior high and high school and right. elementary school. But my friend was went to college for American history and teaches it. Yeah. And he got through his master's degree without even hearing about it. You know, and the, and the frustrating thing about the, you know, the people who criticize, you know, what it's called critical race theory, right? right. Where they they go back and they and they look at history, American history, through the eyes of black people and through the eyes of, you know, slavery and oppression and Native Americans. And look, yeah, it, it, and one of the biggest criticisms from the Trump administration on down is that, oh, it's racist, you know, and well, why is it racist? Because, I mean, well, Trump says it's just not true, right? Like, he's just like, oh, those are all lies. Like, he, I did never heard him deny it. Oh, yeah, he, 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 that's, that's his whole, oh, oh they, they fill these books, they're, they're filling these kids' heads with lies. It's not true. America's not a racist country. Um, all right, I heard that. I haven't heard him deny Tulsa. Right. So, no, he didn't deny Tulsa happened, but what he's saying is that the idea of critical race theory where they, you know, look at history through the eyes of slaves, and then it amounts to the country being systemically and systematically racist, he's saying that's a lie, right? right? And so it's, but what's funny is it's just like, well, the reason why they want, that, that they're so upset about it, right, is because, oh, it makes white people in history look bad, right? I mean, it's like, that. I mean, that's the main thing. Yeah. And, then the, and then they go to the, oh, well. It's a white victim card. <laughs> right, and, and, and it's like, oh, well, I mean, I don't want my kids learning about that because they're going to be feel bad about about being white. And no, that's not the purpose of it. It's just so that we have an accurate lens of what our history is, right? And yeah, it's ugly, right? Yeah. It's, it's ugly. And it's not just against black people. I mean, some of the things that they, that they did to the Irish, to the Italians, 
um, Chinese, you know, and to the Chinese Americans. and Native Americans and to women and to just each other. Like, I mean, like we, we have a brutal history and that's here. All right. Like, I mean, that's not even getting into some of the, the shit that we've done overseas. <laughs> and look, and the Fair. thing that I stand on and I, and I say this a lot is I'm a patriot through and through. I'm an American. I love this country. I don't want to go anywhere else. I don't want to go back to Africa. You know why? Because I've never been to Africa. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not from there. Right. I can only trace my family history to Louisiana and Texas. That's as far as it goes. Right? Like, so this is it. This is all I know. This is my country. I love it. I love everything about it. But because it's my country, because I love it, I have every right to hold it accountable for when it's wrong. Right? Now and in the past and in the future. Right? And me calling out horrors. Yeah. Right? Horrors. Yeah. And whether it's the Tulsa massacre or the way that police treat certain people or the fact that they do terrible things to people and get away from it, not all, but some. The 1960s some and, when you could just literally release dogs on citizens. Right. I mean, like those are, those are horrible gas. things. And, and the reason why you acknowledge them is because you see them and you figure out ways to fix it. How can that never happen again? How can we avoid this? Right. And if they fix, if they would have done that in Tulsa, then that map I was talking about earlier probably isn't as littered as it is now with incidents just like it. Right. But they didn't, right? They let that 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 cancer exist, continue, and spread. Right? Absolutely. And 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 to a degree with, with impunity. With impunity and to a degree we're still paying for it. Absolutely. Right? We're still absolutely paying for it because like we had like as much as people want to say racism is dead and we had a black president, it's all fine. Clearly it's not. Right? We had an entire summer last year that told you things aren't fine. right? And you can say, well, it, Black Lives Matter, it's all their fault. Is it? You sure? Because people were pretty pissed in Ferguson before Black Lives Matter got involved. right? And in, in the L.A. riots, people were pretty pissed and there was no such thing as Black Lives Matter. Right. right? Like, I mean, like they, like we, can go, we can go down the line from, from 2010 all the way back to the Civil War of instances that tell you and show you that things weren't all right, right? Things weren't okay, right? Even, even getting Obama elected showed you that there were still really serious issues that we have yet to deal with, right? And we talk about them. And yes, we had the Civil Rights Movement and you had the Civil Rights Act and, and those things helped, but ultimately it's gonna come down to the majority and those who hold the power to acknowledge it and to say, all right, we have to fix this, right? And then people understanding that fixing it doesn't mean, like, you're black, you're, you're, you're not black. Uh, <laughs> wow. You're white, I'm black. Me getting ahead, me coming up to your level doesn't mean that that means that has to hurt you or that takes right. something away from you, right? It doesn't, it, it, now, th does, it, does it lessen the resources? No, it, it really shouldn't, right? Like things eventually. It shouldn't. I mean, right, like things will balance out. Like, you can make I mean, the zero sum game argument, but that's so shot of. Look at Jeff Bezos and don't give me that fucking argument. Exactly. So, I mean, it's just, it, it just reminds you that we've, we've got a long way to go, but I'm more than willing to acknowledge, because I'd be crazy not to, how far we've come. Right. Right. And how far we've come, I mean, if you look at where we're at, and, I mean, I can just take myself as a prime example. You know, um, one of the criticisms I've received on the show in the past is, you know, you talk about these injustices, you talk about social justice, you talk about all this change that's needed, but you're in the, you know, top 1% or 5% or whatever right. as, it, as, you know, as it relates to income or wealth or however you want to explain it. And 
you know, and people talk about, oh, look at the education that you have and everything else. How can you say that this kind of, I'm like, look, yeah, all that's true. No, I, I never said that I am directly oppressed and it's holding me back and keeping me from doing something. But I can tell you from my own personal experience, things that I have experienced that had it not been for race, I would not have. Right? We, we've talked about several on the show. Right. I mean, like, so, and we, you're right. We've talked about several of the instances and in, in, in just... In plenty you, more out there, I'm Right, sure. there's plenty more. And you and I have talked personally about some other things sure. that I haven't shared on the show. And so, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to talk about it. And even if I had the perfect life, right, and none of that stuff had happened, but I was still aware, that doesn't mean that I can't want better for other people. I can't want better for those who don't have what I have or didn't have the opportunities sure. that I have or weren't blessed with the natural gifts, be it physical or, you know, intelligence wise or, right. or whatever. I can want better for other people, even if it doesn't necessarily directly impact me because we're all a community in theory, the United, we're a country, right? And so the better it is for those at the bottom of the food chain, right? The better we treat those people, the more access we give them to resources, that has to mean things will be better ultimately for everyone, right? Like the, like the better we treat the poor and the people with severe mental issues and people with disabilities and, and people that we consider minorities, the better we treat that level and class of people, then that can only mean the better everyone else above them is being treated as well. You're sounding awfully Christian right now, or at least what Christian should sound like. Well, I mean, I just... I, and I mean that in a good way. Right, like, I mean, I know I mean whether it's religious reasons, just but... Not, not even necessarily religion, right? Like, just, just, the, just decency. basic decency, right? You know, one thing um, that our conversations in this show, whatever, have made me realize is that whenever people talk about, you know, why is black culture a thing? It should be American culture. You know what? Black culture was formed in America because black Americans had no choice. Like you said before, your ancestry traces back to Louisiana. Mine traces back to Italy, Slovakia, and, and Poland. And a lot of my food and other cultural, ethnic things that I adhere to came from another country. Right. Everything in black culture was created here because you had no choice. Black Americans had no choice. Right. You didn't choose to come here. Right. You... Uh, <laughs> and, and we were here a long time before your ancestors. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I have an you ancestor know, in this country before 1900. You know, so, I mean, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see. And, um, you know, I'm glad that Joe Biden went. Um, I don't think that it was just a photo op. I think it was important. Um, you know, because it's, it's, there's, there's certain things, you know, that, that are soft, right? Like, that, that leadership can do. Right, like passing a bill is important. You know, passing a bill, stopping a war, starting a war, you know, lending aid—all those things are, you know, those are hard, tangible things that you can track and see and quantify. Um, but Joe Biden acknowledging what happened in Tulsa a hundred years ago, where no president has done it before, whether it's Barack Obama or Bill Clinton um, or, or Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Ro Ray, I, he claimed, I, I, he claimed, fuck Ronald Reagan, he was a douche, but he claimed to be the great uniter. Well, unite this bitch. I, whoa, yeah, I'm not a Reagan fan. I, I didn't know there was so much heat. I had a lot of a lot of anger but, towards Ronald um, Reagan. You know, I, I just I, I think that that was an important moment. I'm glad Biden did it. Um, and uh, we'll we'll see what comes of it. Sure. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you get like sort of the watchman sort of response where, you know, you 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 know reimburse all those families and, and make them very wealthy. But I, I mean, 
you know, and if it happened, you know, and, and like I wasn't the beneficiary of it, beneficiary of it, I would be fine with it. Right. You know, I mean, and that's the one thing, and you know, people talk about reparations in this country, and the reason why it hasn't happened is because so many people would be pissed off by it. Right. Like, it would also be tough to logistically do at this stage. Kinda, I mean, just throw a bunch of money and say, sorry? I mean, we're, I think we're cool, right? I mean, no, I mean, I think, I mean, I think as a country, we're smarter than that, right? I mean, I think that you, I think that I, I don't know if it is that hard, right? I mean, like, you, you know what the wrong is, and I don't think we're that smart as a country. No, well, I mean, I think we, we, the potential for us to be, I mean, we are, we are, we can, we could, if we wanted to, we could absolutely if we figure to, it out, okay, yeah, right? I mean, I, and I think a lot of it would be around really allocating resources to help people get ahead. I don't think the answer would be, all right, we're going to write everybody a check and good luck because that would be disastrous, right? But, I mean, I think that there are ways that it could be handled where you you make a full concerted effort to make things right. Right. Um, I agree with that. You know, I mean, across the board, yeah. through education, fixing lead housing, in schools, yeah, like, fixing, lead. fixing lead paint, school, burning those schools to the ground and building them up from, from the ground up. Not the way I was no, said it. No, well, <laughs> true. But, I mean, like, getting rid of these schools that have been around since the damn Tulsa massacre. Not wrong. And, and you know, giving these kids, you know, something where you would want to be to get an education in 2021. Right. Right. And, and, you know, like resolving the housing problem, one of the biggest issues with public housing and, you know, inner city projects. And and that's my job. That's what I do. I I work directly in it. (laughs) But knowing the history of it, like one of the biggest issues is is that these buildings have been up. Like, I mean, we've got like, you know, I think I've said this on the show and I think you know this, but Cleveland is the oldest public housing authority in the country. We're the seventh largest in the country. And we have the first public housing building in the country, which is Althwaite. Um, that w- in 1939, that building came online. That building right now is at 100% occupancy. 100%. It, it's roughly, well, there haven't been a lot of changes in housing since 1939. It's, you know, so. it's roughly six. It, it has 600 units and it's it's full to capacity. Um, it's right next to another public housing unit, uh, uh, Carver Park, and then there's Arbor Park, which isn't public housing, but it's it's Section 8 low income. Um, and then a m- massive project that I'm working on is Wood Hill, which is less than a mile away, which is also public housing, which is also another 600 unit um, monster uh, that will ultimately come down and be rebuilt in phases. And, and, and I'm actually leading the charge on, on all of that. So, um, but these, these buildings have been around for 80 years. 70 years, you know, like right. approaching. And how many t- times have they been upgraded? Right, I mean, upgraded is a generous word. Okay. Um, but, I mean, you, I'm you not know, that as but, a, yeah, like, exactly. Like, but, I mean, these buildings were built, and, you know, when they were built, a lot of it, it wasn't necessarily for what it's being used for now. It was supposed to be temporary. It was supposed sure. to be so people had a decent place to live while they were working in steel mills or while they were working sure. for the government during, you know, World War II. They weren't supposed to still be up and in use in 2021, right? And they were built to the standards of 1939. We've come a long way, which is the point that you were trying to make. And we still have people living in them, right? And people criticize the public housing authorities and they criticize, you know, some of these landlords and say, oh, like, oh, these conditions are terrible, right? But, you know, the housing authorities don't have the money to tear these things down and rebuild them new, right? And if you do tear them down, where do the people go? Like, these are things that I wrestle with every day for a job, 
right? Like it's my job to figure out where the money is coming from. It's my job to figure out where the people go. How do we keep track of them? How do we get them back? How do we make sure that access is fair and equitable? And it, it's, it, you know, my days are very long. You know, I mean, trying to figure this stuff out. I'm aware. We don't out. get to hang out much at all. Either. Right. I mean, and, 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 you know, and a lot, of, a lot of my problems were caused because of decades of, you know, things that happened, you know, from the Tulsa massacre on from our, that were legislated and handed down by our federal government and backstopped by our state government and local governments allowing this to exist. You know, I mean, so, you know, when we talk about reparations, you know, how do we dole them out? No, we're not writing checks, but what we are, we're not writing checks and handing them to people, but we are writing massive checks to fix these wrongs that are literally killing people and, and creating these situations and these, 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 these cycles of violence. And, Inequality and, of and, opportunity. And, and, and exactly. And, you know, one, one thing I hear all the time is, why does everything have to be about race? Oh, it doesn't. As soon as we fix this shit... And it'll take a generation of it being fixed for that to be believed. Right. But you want this to go away? You don't want to hear about race? You don't want Colin Kaepernick to take a knee? Work towards making it better. Don't whine. I'm not. All right, I'm being a, a confrontational. Don't whine to me about having to hear about stuff that makes you uncomfortable. Right. Help make it better. Yeah. Acknowledge, okay, I'm a white guy. I'm 50 years old. I did not personally participate in the Tulsa massacre. But I can acknowledge it was a horror. Right. And say, this country needs to be better than that hasn't always been clearly and 1921 ain't that long ago right i mean both of my grandparents were born they were one when it happened but they were born when that happened so this isn't ancient history right all right I, this could go on for a long time but it I, 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 it's a good conversation but there's so much more to talk about right. going on right now i mean so so you know moving on to you know uh, a wrong right Right. Currently, today, you've got a Florida anti-rioting law. So Rick DeSantis signed into law an anti-rioting bill that basically says, if you participate in a riot and something bad, or a protest, and it becomes a riot and something bad happens, you are legally liable, whether you had anything to do with that wrong. Two of my friends who live in Florida and Ohio, they have two homes, mm -hmm. um, came and said, like, can you believe this shit? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. So I looked it up. What they said is being said in the local news is, if you go to a protest, that protest later turns violent, even if you weren't there when it turned violent, you could face legal action. That's disgusting. Now, look, there's been a lot of protests in this country. There was, the you know, we're right at the George, anniversary of George Floyd's murder. And... Um, a lot of those protests had violence. We could, we've talked that through a ton. I don't want to redo all of that. We also had January 6th where Trump supporters attacked our democracy and attempted to overthrow our government, but we'll get into that more later too. But the idea that you're going to say, if you go to something and it could potentially turn violent, you could face criminal action, even if it's essentially unprosecutable, this needs to be destroyed by the Supreme Court like that. Yep. This cannot stand up. I mean, think about how crazy that is. Well, you and I go to you and I go to an event. We then come back here, and you know, you smoke a cigar, and I have a beer, and then an hour later, boom! Now, because you and I are on camera at that event, we're facing 
the potential for prosecution? What if we didn't go to the event? What if we were just at a restaurant where people happen to end up be protesting? We walk True. out of the restaurant. It, I mean, someone sees us on camera, like looking around, what's going on? I mean, we go to the two of us. Is a, would it be pretty easy to pick out in a group. Right, ex- exactly. And then we leave. Are, are we then somehow prosecutable? It, this is going to be something we. I don't know if we need to get into huge detail on it now, but this is something we have to keep an eye on because if this, if this law survives, and it, I mean the reality is is that it's twofold. One, the entire purpose of the law is to prevent a very specific group from doing from from not only rioting, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna focus on the rioting, public displays, but it's it's to prevent the public displays. It's to prevent. Black Lives Matter from from going around with their microphones and, their yep. son, and, and and because they risk then going to jail, right? Sure. So the whole point is to deter them from even thinking about doing it, um, because the reality is in a protest with that many with, with you know with any number of people beyond I don't know three four five whatever, um, something could happen. Someone sure. could do something. Someone could be there as a agent of chaos just to just to cause trouble. And you don't have control over that. And so with a law like this, the whole purpose is to blunt the idea of even creating the opportunity for something bad to happen. But they're not doing it to protect, right? Like they're not. How how many civil rights leaders in the 60s were arrested or threatened or harassed by law enforcement because of of them? (laughs) All all of them? I mean, I I don't know. I don't know one. I I mean, I I, like I can't. There might be one. I mean, maybe there's one, but I can't think of any civil rights, black or white, leader of note, right, from that era who didn't spend at least a night in jail. I don't either. I mean, I, mean, there's I didn't research it. But. Martin Luther King, uh, Malcolm X, uh, Rosa Parks, John Lewis. Like, yeah. you know, I can't, like, I, I mean, you go through the list. Yeah. I mean, even the, the ones that are less known, um, it, it, you know, in the mainstream all have stories of being arrested, yeah. and and so we're going back to that era, and that which, law is specifically like right, is let's, specifically let's bring it, it and back. It's also, and, we're so in the 60s. And, and I think it's also a big middle finger to the rest of the country as it relates to January sixth, right? This is this is payback, right? Because ultimately, nobody in Florida, right? Like no one who supports DeSantis is going to protest or or you know, get riled up, right? Like, no one's no one's going to challenge him. They love him down there, right? But what this is is, like, okay, you're going to drop the hammer on our people for going up to, to D.C. to, you know, to, to protest for their rights, and then it gets a little out of hand, and then right. all these people have charges. Like, 500 people now. It's up to 500 people that have been charged um, with 300 with serious facing serious charges there. Um, it, it's... You know that's what this is for. It's I think it's one to deter, but two as a as sort of a, a, a f you to everybody criticizing what happened on January sixth, right? Like I if agree. you're going to drop the hammer on our people, then we're going to drop the hammer on your people if they even think of doing anything remotely close to something we don't like. And DeSantis to me is a a snake in the grass. He's way smarter than Trump. Um. He's not nearly I don't the charismatic. He, I don't think he's a snake in the grass. I mean, I think it's very clear what he is. He's using. I think I agree. He's smarter than Trump. Um, I think that he he understands he understands the law and he understands history much better than Trump does, uh, and he recognizes what worked for Trump. 
So he's using that and then backstopping it with a knowledge of the law. Um, and I'm sure he's got staff that because he's going to run for president. I think that's pretty clear. And that's what I meant is he's yeah. he from the Amer- the greater American public. He's not a household name or at least. No, I, I disagree. I think right. I think he's very well known now. I mean, you know, he's been on uh, 60 Minutes has covered him at least twice in the last year. Um, so the eight you know, people who still watch 60 Minutes, well, I'm I mean, one of them. But uh, not 60 Minutes. I mean, I it's know, still on. So you, I mean, you see what I'm saying, though, is he's... No, I, I, think I, he's I don't. Radar. I, 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 radar. I don't think he's under the radar. Right. I mean, because th- you... Like, social media is a very real thing, and his speeches and, and his... The things that... The laws and the bills that he signs and everything, like, they get national coverage on a regular basis. I don't think that DeSantis is... I, I don't think he's an unknown. I think he's a, a very well-known... And I think the only thing that will prevent him from running in 2024 is if Trump runs. Okay. You know, and if I, he I does, see your point. I mean, and I, if he does run, I think he will be vying for a position in Trump's administration, um, and he will run. You know, he will absolutely run in 2028. I see your point. I, I stand by my. I think he's still under the radar and just exactly what he is because I think a lot of people don't know it. I think Florida does, um, but. I don't want to argue about him. When we've got what's still going on with our former president, I came home from Memorial Day weekend into the neighborhood that we're in right now, and I was I was on Monday, on Memorial Day, and there was a Trump rally right outside the Irish pub that I spend way too much time at. Went there, saw that. A lot of young people. A lot of young people. Most Several of them shirtless. It was a nice day. I get it. Get some sun. Vitamin D is important. Um, Sudden your tits. <laughs> there's that. Um, no one topless that I wanted to be. But anyway, uh, I sit down at the neighboring bar to sit outside, and I'm wearing a West Virginia University shirt. A guy wearing a Trump shirt walks in, stands next to me, lights a cigarette, and says, oh, a big Trump rally over there. And I just went, I noticed. And he took another drag from his cigarette, put it out, and walked back inside. I think me with my shaved head goatee and wearing a West Virginia shirt, he expected me to say, right on, brother. And I was yeah. like, nope. I didn't confront. I didn't want to. No yeah. value. No value. Um, You're also he, vastly outnumbered. So. Yeah, well, well, I was far enough away, but he had a knife in his pocket. It was exposed. And I'm like, if this gets ugly, it's going to get real ugly. Um, but the fact there's still fucking Trump rallies in my f- neighborhood Jim, disgusts me. I know. You've got, like... I know. You, 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 but... Half the it's Republican over. Party, half the Republican Party believes that the election was stolen for Trump, that Trump is going to come back into power within the next year. Yeah. Right? You've got the, no, the people I the people but, I was just talking about fucking crazy. The people that I was just talking about that are that have been indicted and most of them sitting in jail right now for what happened on January sixth, they firmly believe that Trump is still going to is going to save them right. from conviction. Which is why they're not taking pleas when they're on tape, like on tape on their own social media saying, I was there, I did this, I did that, right? Yeah. Like you've, you've got people who seriously believe that Trump is going to come back into power and save them, like in, like I said, in the next year, Yeah. Um, which is just unbelievable, it's, but it's terrifying, which it just tells you how fragile things are because that's a lot of people, right? Like, I mean, yeah. if you've got half the Republican party, right. And you know, that's so half the country, right? Well, no, it's not half the country. I mean, it's about a quarter, right? Like, I mean, if it's half the Republican party, no, I meant half, 
the Republican Party is half the country, roughly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of that's a quarter. Right. Like, so, I mean, if you, if you got a quarter of the country believing that the election was stolen via fraud and that Trump is the rightful president and it's only a matter of time before he's reinstalled in power, like, that just tells you what we're dealing with in terms of, like, like we're, we're in a very scary time. Yep. Right? I mean, I mean, it, we're holding on by a thread and, I mean, and everyone's looking for a reason to explode whether it's, you know, those particular people or people on the, you know, far other side, except I just, I think the people to the far left are vastly outnumbered by the people who think that Trump should still be in power, right? Or should still be president. Um, it's just, it's it's scary. It, it's absolutely scary. And it's, it's almost gotten to the point where you can't have a rational conversation. Like, not almost. It's at that point. Right. There's just no I mean, rational Because if you do I have mean, a... If you end up having a rational conversation with a person who doesn't see eye to eye with you, it's a surprise. Just like when, when that guy assumed I was going to jump on board and go, yeah, you know, America. And I just went, yeah, I'm aware. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say you're a fucking idiot, but I didn't jump on board. And as soon as I didn't jump on board, he walked away and I was like, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and, and it goes, look, look at even the extreme... Not the street, the leaders on the right side. We got Roger Stone calling out Steve Bannon, saying he's not Trumpy enough. Steve Bannon was well. He said he said Steve Bannon blackmailed Donald Trump for a pardon, right. which I thought was interesting. It's just like, well, blackmailed him with what? Right? Like, I mean, if you use that phrase blackmailed, and that's assuming that Bannon has something on Trump. I know, I never so the question it. is, what does Bannon have on Trump that he could use to get a pardon? Right? I mean, because. Trump didn't really have a good reason to pardon Steve Bannon, right? I mean, he, you know, he could have Roger just, Stone. Right, but he he did. So, and if, if Roger Stone is saying, right, that Steve Bannon blackmailed him, right, that's the biggest thing I took from it. Now, I, th- I also thought it was funny how Roger Stone talked about Steve Bannon. Um, <laughs> what did he call him? Like a blotchy-faced... A, a blotchy-faced <laughs> grifter or something like that? I don't know. It was... I shouldn't enjoy that as much as it, But I it's do. hilarious. I mean, because Roger Stone, it's like, how do you fucking take this guy seriously? Um, but and, and he, he looks like a Batman villain. He's got a tattoo of Nixon on his Yeah, I back. mean, and I'm sure he's got a tattoo of Trump somewhere. I mean, Trump I gave him a pardon. Where, I Listen, don't want to know where. If I got into or if it was done in... If, if it was done prison. in prison, right? Like, I, I mean, I want to see that. Actually. Listen, no if if I were ever in a situation in in where I needed to get pardoned and I got a pardon from the president, I would absolutely tattoo his whatever on my whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, do with that as you will. But I, I mean, it's, I, I would do nothing with that. Right, but I mean, I just it's it's funny. You gotta um, you gotta watch it. Actually, I think I tweeted it on our, it's on our timeline. So if you want to scroll through that and give that a look, um, it, it's. It's funny to listen to him talk. I mean, the sort of infighting that's going on. Like, if you're not Trumpy enough, yeah. then you know, then then the true believers of Trump will come after you, uh, which is which is really really interesting to it watch. It's gotten so deep. I mean, we talked about Marjorie Taylor Greene. We talked about Matt Gates. Roger Stone is such a caricature, but he's relevant. Listen, there's I mean, a, he's been there's, on... a, there's a state congressman in Arizona or someone running oh, for geez, Congress yeah, in Arizona. Guy. No, he's in who who paid for TV time in New Jersey, right? Oh, Even though yeah. he's running in Arizona because he wants Trump to see how Trumpy his ads are, right? Like, I mean, that's, like, it's, it, like, because he wants to get the, the seal of approval from sure. Trump, which he believes will help him get the nomination there. It's, it's just, 
remarkable how far these people are going to kiss the ring of Donald Trump. Um, and again, I think it's just a sign of, I mean, when you've got our leaders doing that, it just shows you how f weak and fragile we are. Because like, if those people are, are, are allowed to have mass control, then I, I have serious concerns about what they do to the republic. I've called people, I've called Trump followers and Trump, I've called Trump a cult leader and his followers a cult. I stand by that. Yeah. But no cult has ever permeated this far up into mainstream political power in the world? Ever? Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, give me, I mean, I, I, I Oh, you want to bring up Hitler? Okay, we can go there. I hate that comparison getting thrown around as loosely as it does. Yeah. But, mm, I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you know, going through history, I mean, there are plenty of people who've risen to power, uh, like, in a very similar fashion to Trump. Uh, I mean, but I, but, guess, but to, I get them to, to spread out after they've lost. After I mean, thank God for our democracy, which is, by the way, But in their mind, fragile. he didn't lose. I know, I know. But that's that's the thing. I mean, and, and he, I mean, look. And then nothing's real. Like, here's exactly. proof that he lost. Oh, no, here's a liberal media. Oh, fuck's sake, dude. But that's, I mean, that was the point of his campaign and his administration, right? Like, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. So it was just like, look, we don't know what's going on. We don't know what we're doing. So, listen, just make sure that no one can believe or trust in anything so, therefore, the only thing that they can actually believe in is us. Right. Right. And so, once they destroy belief and trust in your institutions, whether it's the FBI or the Department of Justice or the, the Department of Defense or whoever they needed, right, to, to, to sow the, the, the seeds of distrust into, right, so then, peop, so then their followers would look to them and say, who do we believe? Well, we'll believe us, and this is what we're going to tell you. Oh, okay, I believe that, right? Like, that's what they did. The entire administration, they did it masterfully, and they got a large swath of people to buy into it, right? Like, so now there are people who, like, you, and you can tell when you're dealing with them, right? Because typically, if they're, if they're remotely savvy, then they question everything and then follow it up with, I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mean, right. I'm just saying, you know? I well, mean, I'm just asking questions, you or, know? Or, right, like, or, that's, that, that's their, it's like... Or, the follow-up is you've been you've been misled by the mainstream media. I know the truth. Go to I love Donald Trump truth com and you'll see the real like okay. Right. I mean and those people and, I usually disregard, but it's the people who the, the not that I disregard them, no, right? I but mean, I do. But the people the, the people that will have a conversation with you, present to you, well, here here could be the benefits of having a Muslim ban, right? Like, I'm just playing devil's, ad devil's advocate, right? Like, what's so wrong about that? You don't know. They're dangerous people, right? Like, the people who are, you know, trying to semi-intelligently reason and justify some of the really just either nonsensical or just flat-out wrong things that the administration has done or Trump followers has done because we're getting to a point where, like, look, Trump, Trump is in his 70s. Right. Yeah. And he, you know, I mean, he professes to be the healthiest guy in the world, but you could, you look at him and know that may not be a hundred percent accurate in theory. He, he could die at any moment. Right. Not, not saying that he's on his deathbed, but so, I mean, he could, yeah, he, he could have a heart attack. He could have a stroke, you know, I mean, you don't know. Right. Um, and the issue with that is if Trump died right now, right. Or if he was just plucked away from the planet, from some of the aliens that they're, that they're talking about, right. You know, these days, I love talking with the UFO stuff, but we can't get to that today. But, um, if he just disappeared, 
what the 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 mess that he's created, the following that he's created, wouldn't slow down, wouldn't change, right? Like a Ron no. DeSantis would pick up the banner, and uh, Rod, Greg, he's Rod Hubbard, you know, only Abbott, worse. you know, uh, uh, Abbott down in Texas would just pick it up and run with it. Um, uh, Jim Jordan here in Ohio. Um, you know, obviously Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor, Taylor Green. Green. Matt, Gates Matt Gates isn't saying anything for good reason because we don't know how long he's not going to be in jail. But I mean, like Josh Hawley, who like all of these people are just going to pick up the banner and run with it, right? And now they're going to do it in name of Trump, right? Like we got to do this for Trump. So Trump, like if, if he were to die before the 2024 election or, or soon around that time, right? He is going to go up as you know a, a, a this immaculate figure. To them, right, and it, then the cult will go to to a whole new level because now there will be a fight to the top of that group for who can replace him, who can be him, and duplicate what he did, and get that agenda rolling again. Um, and that 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 scares me. It scares the shit out of me. And what they've done is f- chosen a thing to vilify. I put out something on the Jim uh, at Whiskey Congress or Jim at Whiskey Kong. Uh, I put something from OAN that showed them saying literally that um, hydroxychloroquine was very effective in treating um, coronavirus, but the media and authorities banned it because of anti-Trump sentiment. Right. I put that out there. The media can't ban drugs. Right. The media can't say, ABC can't go, we ban aspirin. Right. (laughs) I mean, and, it, it, and, it, and that takes us right into the Fauci emails. Right. But, but I mean, you know, I mean, and you know this better than I do. But the the thing with hydroxychloroquine was that like it showed some effectiveness early, but then when they tried it on you know large groups of people, it wasn't effective. There was no right? valid. Like, so yes. they, they so they ended up not using it, and people use that drug for other things, right? That they needed. And so it's just like we can't drain the supply for the people who need it, right? For the for the off chance that it may work for a few people for this particular thing, we and, need to find a better solution. And it has huge side effects. Yeah. But that OAN story fed right into the Fauci emails. Right. And the Fauci emails is the biggest nothing burger I have seen in a very long time. It was the Freedom of Information Act thing that got them. At least that's what I was what I've read. I yes. didn't look into it. But a lot of the emails were like, Fauci said that masks don't prevent you from getting it. From the beginning, everyone said, it doesn't prevent you from getting it. It prevents you from transmitting it. Yes. And if you want to claim to be an, a, you know, well, an American who wants to support things, if I could have it but not know it, because that was one of the other complications with COVID, was you could be an asymptomatic carrier. So if we just wear masks, limit droplets... We're going to make things better. Well, I, true. I, but here's the thing. A lot of what people are saying are in Fauci's emails. Like, yeah, like there's the, there's the very specific email they're talking about where he was talking about masks and their lack of effectiveness. He said almost the exact same thing in a, in a press conference. Yeah. Like back in February or January, around the time that the damn email came out. Right? Mm-hmm. I remember the press conference, and I'm pretty sure you can go and find it. Probably won't find it on Fox, but I'm pretty sure you can go and find it on any other network. Right, he basically said what it was in the email. He said in a press conference, right? And people were saying, "Oh, he lied. This is the smoking gun." Like he didn't lie, right? Now, did his did did his stance change? Yeah, a little bit. But part of that was not because of him. It was because of some of the pressure that we were receiving from the top, from his boss, which was 
Donald, Donald Trump. J. Trump, right? And also learning shit. Right, like, right. learning, like, you're, I mean, you're, you're dealing with things in real time, you learn more. Now, here's the other problem with his emails, right? Like, so, another thing that people are hanging their hat on is a doctor from, I think it was Cornell, a couple doctors from Cornell, one was a dermatologist, the other was a virologist, and they had emailed Fauci and said, you know, we're concerned about this virus from the Wuhan area, and we believe it may have come from a lab, yeah. and we believe that it might have yeast in it to make it stickier or something like that. Okay. okay. I, and, I, and I don't know, maybe, right, but that's all, that's all, that's, first of all, that's all, wait, hold on, that's all you see in the email, right? All right. And people would say, see, they ignored the fact that it was in a lab, and this is the smoking gun. Like, look, some guy cl- claiming, a guy who's a dermatologist claiming that he's from Cornell, and his buddy who's a virologist who's also from Cornell, you know, sending an email saying that they're concerned about it, but you have nothing else. You don't know what the rest, they, they could have told him that, you know, that they were fucking eating mushrooms and smoking weed and decided that it came from a lab and because a spirit told them. Right, you have no idea what their right. justification was behind that. You don't know what the proof was, and frankly, we don't know if they had proof. Because what are the chances that they had it? Right, like, did, are they did, did they actually know it, or were they just assuming because they knew that there was a lab close by, and they're saying because there's a lab close by, and given how fucked up this thing is, we think it might have come from the Chinese government. Okay, well, everybody thinks that, but we don't have proof of it. We can't get into China to figure it out, so we can't go with that as a theory until we have more sound proof of what the hell is going on. Right. Now, I, I will say this, and I've said it before, I'll keep saying it. I do not dismiss the possibility I that it came either. from a Chinese lab. I don't either. I don't even dismiss the possibility that the Chinese government said, we will sacrifice a bunch of our citizens to see what happens. I, mean, I don't what, either. I, I, that is not something Jim, that... I, I will absolutely... I have said from early on, right, once I was convinced that this was legit... Right, like I mean, because I'll be right. honest, in the in the fall, October, November, December, I remember yeah, on the uh, show you said like, "What's like, everyone going nuts about?" Like, it was right back in the name of uh, Cardi B was doing her, but Wuhan coronavirus, coronavirus, right? right. Like I mean, like it, it, I'll admit it. And then you know, around the you know January, February, around that time, I was like, "Holy shit, this thing is real," and like I'll I'll openly admit that. Right, and then once I really started to believe, and once I started to look into it and see what we were dealing with, and seeing what was happening to people, then I started losing people that were close to me that right. I knew. Then you got it, <laughs> right? And then I got it, and let me tell you, that shit was hell, hell on earth. But it treated me different. It treated my wife different. It treated my kid different. It treated people right. that I knew different. Some people, like a training partner of mine, a guy that I train with, and he and I are, are physically very similar people, right? And. It like it treated me bad. It did him dirty, right? He was really? in the hospital. He? he was in the oh, hospital. He, for, right. yeah, he was yeah, in the yeah. hospital for multiple weeks. He left the hospital with oxygen. They almost put him on a ventilator. Um, you know, I mean, it took him months to get healthy again. Like he's only kind of getting back to normal now, but he still gets out of breath when he and I like when he and I are walking around the gym talking to each other. He still gets out of breath, right? And I mean, and it's not because of his size. It's because he doesn't have the same lung capacity that, that right. he did before. So if you want to tell me that this was a this that this was a bioweapon designed to attack whatever your weakness is, and you're, like I am all about it. I will take I will listen to that all day and I think we need to investigate it. I think we need to figure out a way to get into China. We need to try to hope that there is something there that can verify what the fuck happened. I don't believe that you'll be able to because China I'm sure has swept it already. But 
I'm more than willing to believe it, but the problem is we don't have anything to prove it. And to say that Fauci swept it under the rug because he didn't acknowledge this guy's email publicly right. in a press conference, like, what do you th- like? What do you think that but he was going to do? Fauci's a new supervillain. Hil- oh yeah, Hillary and Benghazi doesn't work anymore. Go right. to Operation Fauci. Right, and that's what it is. It's fucking pathetic, and it's and it's I'm going to say unpatriotic because if you want to try to pin this all on a virologist who's done a lot of work for this country and just try to make him a scapegoat and say, that's my excuse for not wearing a mask and we don't have to wear masks in Ohio anymore. Right. The vaccine's done a lot. I'm much more comfortable in public now that I've been vaccinated. Um, I want to move on to something and, and uh, real quick. I read about uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. We talked about Israel and Palestine and Benjamin Netanyahu, Netanyahu is now facing potential ouster from his position. Yeah. Here's my conspiracy theory on that. The attack the attack that or the incident that led to the Palestinian Israeli conflict that lasted eleven days, the ceasefire has stood up for now. I'm the most n- recent one. The most recent one, yes. Um like I mean I had to legitimately like, clarify it. Yeah, fair, <laughs> fair. I'm not dismissing the idea that the Israeli government said we're kicking Benjamin Netanyahu out. Why not do this right before we do that so we can pin this all on him and then when things move forward say, yeah, we kicked out the guy who was in charge when that happened, but they've wanted to do this for years and they um, did it. Maybe. I, 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 I don't cloth. know. It's out of whole cloth, but I that's in my head right now. I, may, yeah, there's, I don't have a good reason to say no, they wouldn't do that. Um you know, I I, I, don't listen, have, I don't have any evidence they do. No, but I, that's in my head. The deal. And, and the reason why I'm not dismissing it at all is, you know, Netanyahu isn't in office right now with a mandate, right? Like, right. I mean, they've had multiple um, elections there trying to get a mandate for leadership, and they haven't been able to get it. Um, and you know, he's in there through, you know, some me- mechanism in there in there you know, constitution and their governing body. Um, but there, there's not a mandate for it. So I, I like, look, if you, if you know, the, if the rest of the government gets, sits around and it's just like, look, Ben is, uh, he is past his prime and past his useful, you know, his usefulness in our government. You know, how can we get him out of here? Because another election isn't going to do it. Right. Like clearly it's, it's like, you know, putting it to a vote isn't effective. We need to do something that's, you know that gets rid of him, but you know, you know, provides us cover. And and so I'm going I can the other angle. I'm going. We're going to get rid of him. Let's scapegoat him on his way out the door. Well, but that's what I'm saying. But okay. you have to you have to do it. You you can't just punt him, right? Because that that's going to cause too much of an uproar from his supporters. But if you have a really really bad situation that he got his hands in, which he did, you that makes it a hell of a lot easier. So I'm what I'm saying is I'm agreeing with you. Right, like right. I, I'm, I'm actually agreeing with you and, and okay, actually providing you support. I, I'm not so fucking I, take it. <laughs> God damn. All right, don't make this so hard. Let's help let's, me help you, Jim. <laughs> There's so many ways I could go with that, but I'm, I want to go to sports for a bit. I, some again, kind of ugly stuff. But uh, the NFL has had a um, a whatever a movement a lawsuit. Well, there was a so there, there so years ago the NFLPA sued the NFL over right. brain injuries and and the long term effects and they won 
um, in a massive settlement. Uh, and what that did was awarded money to players who could prove that you know they had diminishing brain capacity based off of their playing in the NFL. Right. And what happened was the doctors working for the NFL started using something called race normalizing, where what they would do is like if a if a black player came in, right, and said, "Oh, I've got diminished brain capacity from playing." The doctors would say, okay, what's your brain, you know, prior to, now, yeah. prior to and now, okay, there's not a big enough gap because you were already at diminished brain capacity because of your race, right? Like, so because you're black, you didn't start off that smart, so whatever you lost isn't that big of a loss, so kick rocks, right? If you're a white player, same position, same amount of time, everything else, you have the same symptoms, they'd be like, oh, well, you're white, so you started off better to begin with, you lost a hell of a lot more, so here's $500,000. Is that wrong? <laughs> Michael Stanley. Right. I remember doing that to you once. You thought I was being serious. You went fucking nuts. Well, because we were talking about something serious. <laughs> well, we're talking about something serious now. Right. That's I mean, so but now, but you do it frequently enough now where. Um, <laughs> I'm a dick often enough now that you recognize it. But, um, but that's insulting. No, I, you sent me that story and I'm like, if they grok normalize, I get it. That was a dick thing for me to say. But again, I think I'm funny. Right. Although I, I think. Uh, Gronk's not as dumb as people say, but I love taking jabs at him because he's right. fucking Gronk. Right. Um, there are multiple grogs and they're from my hometown. Right, and if they walk through this door right now, you'd have a problem because I wouldn't I've have your a, back. I have a gun right there. Good luck. <laughs> because 19, all of the, all of them are about, all of them are about a foot taller than you and can get to that thing before you can. Um, but they won't know how it works <laughs> prior to the. Concussions. I'm pretty sure those those guys know how to use a gun. Well, all right, moving on. Anyway, anyway, um, you don't think those idiots just go out and shoot shit? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I, so the thing with the NFL and the race normalizing is, you know, talking about racism and talking about systemic racism, like those are the sort of things when people say systemic racism, right? The NFL is a massive system, right? Like they're, they're they're like, technically I love this comparison. People always look at me like I'm fucking crazy. Technically the NFL is one of the largest cartels in the world. Right, that's not wrong at all. But right, I've never but that I mean, because think about it. What is like think about like what's the other big cartel that we know? OPEC, right? It's okay, literally going drugs. But... Well, no, I mean because technically we don't know them, right? <laughs> but right, if you look at the oil producing countries, right, like that, like that is a giant cartel, right? And they're they're all independent, but they work under one roof to right. do this thing, which is produ- well, the NFL is the same thing. You have all these independent teams that work under the roof of the NFL, right? So there's this giant cartel and this giant if system. The, if the NFL allowed labor practices to be like normal business, then, you know, they, I want to go play there, and I want as much money as I can get. And, yeah, so, they're, valid they're, point. I'm not, I'm not, right, I, I'm just not like, trying to derail, but that's right. what I'm I mean, I, Like I say that, people always look at me like I'm fucking crazy. But, uh, like, it's not just because, it's like, it, it's not true, it, it's, just because they wear suits doesn't mean what I'm saying isn't true, right? And I Com- think they look at a guy I think like a lot Robert, of cartels wear suits. Right, well, exactly. <laughs> White suits. Um, but, you know, so so looking at the NFL as a system and looking at it as this this massive industry, um, you see them saying, all right, because of your race, we're going to deny you X. That is systematic racism. Yeah. Right? And in, 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 in trying to say, well, it's backed up by science, it's not backed up by science, right? This idea that black people have less, less brain capacity than white people 
has been disproven over and over and over and over again, right? I mean, like now, if you want to go into inner cities and people who live in some of the housing that I was talking about that is filled with lead and everything else, then then once they you might are have done pre diminished, right? I mean, like now now you've got a group of people who are, who have diminished return or who have a diminished capacity, but that's because of something outside of their actual control. Right, and I, and I think if you put anyone in those conditions, they have those same sort of issues. So again, it's not because of race, it's because of environment and circumstance. But what the NFL is saying is that naturally, just because you're born with this complexion, right, or because you're of this ethnic ethnicity, right, then then you have a diminished brain capacity. But what's interesting is, you know, a lot of your conservatives and your people on the right, from a political standpoint. Right, they're quick to go to well, race isn't a thing. Race isn't real. Right, right? it's this, it's this human construct. Which okay, fine, I totally agree. But the thing is, is that it's this human, it, like it's a human construct. Absolutely, it's this thing that man made up. But it's this thing that man made up that has actually stuck. Right, and it's a it, it's 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 now a thing. So whether you whether you you can sit there and say it's not real and it doesn't count and DNA and everything else, but this country literally made laws based on it. And the NFL made a formula to apply that to their financial accountability. Yes. And now they're saying they're getting away from it. So, right. yay? Yeah, I mean, good. But, I mean, it took years. But the like, fact this that is, they're doing, the fact right. that they're acknowledging is, is proving And the reason, point. and these cases came to light, what, what, like, the people who brought these cases wasn't the players, it was their wives. Oh, right? they're, 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 because a lot, in a lot of instances, a lot of these players, they, they, they were, they, their brain issues were so bad, right, that their wives were forced to take care of them. Right, so their wives are just like, look, my husband, like, you know, I'm looking at guys, you know, other men my my husband's age, right, who he's grown up and known his entire life, who didn't play football, who didn't play in the NFL, even maybe they played in college, but they definitely right. they didn't play in the NFL. They don't have these same issues, right? This and is and I knew this man for right, thirty I've known, years. Right, I've and known now. him his entire life, right? Like so, and so the wives got together, and and, and the wives were a major push on how this case was, you know, kind of brought to light. And then pushed through and then fought for and eventually won. And then, you know, right when they think they win, then those same wives, right, were denied coverage. This is like, well, your husband doesn't count because he's black, so he, he started off lower than... He was than, never that smart to begin right, exactly, with. Exactly, right? I mean, wow, so imagine, imagine how devastating that would be. Right. You win this settlement, you finally get the help that you need to help the person that you love... And then it's just like, yeah, you. thank you for bringing this and winning this for all these other guys, but you don't qualify for it basically because your husband, your husband is a black ape. And um, the, man, well, that's ugly, but accurate. Right, I mean, I mean that's what it was. Ugly, accurate. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, Jim McMahon is doing a tour now about, a, about uh, he's got an upcoming um, documentary, I think, on Netflix. Yeah. And if I've he- I've heard him talk about multiple times how he was treated, and Jim McMahon was a white poster boy, yeah, and he was treated that badly, and the fact that black players were treated with that much more disrespect, right, is and one thing I want to throw out there too is everyone goes to the these guys made millions of dollars, they sacrificed their bodies. Those guys, those guys didn't. didn't. All right, exactly. Those guys didn't. I if mean, you understand the history of the NFL, of thousands, which is a lot of right. money, but. If you, right. If you understand the history of the NFL, right, like the NFL all, wasn't always this, right? right, with guys making multi-million dollar contracts and the minimum contract no. being $300,000. I, I would play for love of the game, but 
<laughs> I, I Someone love gave that. that argument the other day. And I, I like, love oh, the I people wanna, saying that they I want to head for. I'm like, okay, go buddy. play. <laughs> Like, go go out, grab a ball, grab a helmet, and go play. Someone just someone dropped that on me the other day. Like back in the good old days when they played for love of the game. Like those guys don't love the game so much anymore because right. their bodies are broken and, and they and made even, fifty grand a year. You know, even when the NFL, like when the NFL first came to light, those guys were still playing for money, right? Sure. A lot of them played to supplement their income. Um, it, you know, I mean, either way, that I, I just want to. But throw yeah, that it's, it's jab a bullshit. It is, but and, that, um, and it was thrown at me the other day. But I mean, I think you know the NFL finally. Saying that they're going to stop doing it now, whether it's by choice or whether you know they got yeah. pressure from the court, there's a lot of different reasons why this is happening, and they're all like, not you know rainbows like you said, and unicorns. They're a cartel, a cartel. Right. They don't do it out of the goodness of their heart. Exactly. But at least they're getting you know if if they if the NFL got labeled as being as racist as you could probably easily label them as, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a lot of black players in the NFL. Yeah. And. Um, well, that's just the thing. I mean, and and there were. I mean, listen. There was a lot of like uh, the, the Colin were, Colin right. Kaepernick brought to light a lot of issues for the mm. NFL as it relates to race, whether you like it or not. And um, and I think it was important because of the number of black players that you have in the league, right? And a lot of the issues that they have, whether it's with coaching and management and and ownership and you know black players in executive positions, you have guys who played this game their entire life who played in the NFL, who are Hall of Fame players, who are guys who yeah. know the game inside and out. They know the game on the field. They know the game off the field. They go, they, you know, after they leave, they go, they go back to school. They, they do, inter they literally start as interns. Like Heinz Ward right now is an intern, right? I mean, and they, they, they start this, the process all over again and then end up nowhere, right? right. Like those sort of things exact, highlight exactly what you talked about, the issues that the, that the, that the league has with race, and it's an issue for them, and they don't handle it well. Like, the, the NFL's PR team, they're some of the worst. I don't know how these people continue to keep their job, and they probably don't. I'm sure they <laughs> just cycle through them all the time. Every time, like, Roger Roger Goodell, you know, comes in from getting lambasted, I'm sure someone, you know, gets... Takes the heat, sure. Gets, gets sacrificed on the altar. But it's something that the NFL has to do a better job with, and they need to get out in front of these things before we get to this point. It shouldn't have taken. Right. I will. I will always argue that the the issue, the reason why the NFL has is being sued is because they didn't take care of those players. Absolutely right. Because Absolutely. they because because they wanted because it because revenue and profits were more important than the players who actually made the game what it was. This Absolutely. is why you got sued. And this is why you're paying this price. And this I mean, is why people they used are to fight over pensions. Right. If they had paid out pensions, this might have never come to, oh, by the way, you ruined exactly. our lives. Not saying that it shouldn't have still come up, because it should. Right. But they were trying to like, well, you know, you played back in the day. Nowadays it's different. Yeah, you know what? We built this. Yes. You know, black and white. Just right, the, the players, players the, built it. The, the, you right, know. and I mean, and listen, like, the, the, to be fair, the league, the, league, the league does white players bad. Dirty mm -hmm. as well, yeah. Right, like, I mean, if, like, as soon as you're not valuable, they don't give up. It's, uh, exactly, you know. And I yeah, mean, we're both gonna watch opening week. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and it's I and I honestly don't feel guilty over it because I think the I think listen, professional sports is too important to the fabric of our country for me to give up on it. I'm not giving and, up either. And, and, well, I, and I'm not saying that you are, but what I'm saying, and people look at me like I'm crazy. And like, oh, it's just sports. It doesn't matter. I'm like, first of all. Like we've had, like you've had professional sports. As long as you have had, you know, civilized societies, you've had professional sports interwoven into them, going all the way back to Rome and the gladiators. Sure. Period. 
True. Right, the movie Gladiator is literally is <laughs> like I mean it's it's no how is it different than the NFL except for people don't actually die. There right? are no tigers on right. the field. I mean, there's no tigers, there's no lions, there's no... Well, technically there are tigers well, and lions. <laughs> True. Bengal tigers, if you will. But, I mean, the, but the point is, is that sports always, has always been interwoven. In every society you go, there's a great Netflix uh, documentary about the different sports that exist across the world, right? Like, not just the big ones that we know about. I mean, but, and I watched this thing for, I mean, I don't remember how many episodes it was. I think it was like 10 or something like that. But, I mean, it was just amazing to see all these different sports. But sports is so integral. People use it for so many different reasons. In the U.S., like, it's its own economy, right? Yeah. The NFL is a multi-billion dollar thing, which means it's not just the guys on the field getting paid, right? Like, you've got people who work in stadiums. You've got the restaurants and the bars that feed into it. You've got so many economies that are built on it. When we, we saw some Co- of the COVID negative... COVID exposed that. Like, COVID exposed, like, you know, like, whenever there's a strike or something like COVID where, you, you know, like, there's so many people who lost income and lost money and weren't able to make it up and won't ever right. be able to make it up. Um, like, those things are woven into our economy and, and what we are Society, as a country yep, yep. right now. And so, no, I, I won't give up on it. I can, and this is another thing. I love it, but I reserve the right to call them out for their bullshit and say, listen, it. you need to fix this. Yep. Right? Like, that's like, if, you, if I got a kid, right, my kid fucks up, my job is to tell her, stop doing that. Stop fucking right. up. Get your shit together. Right? Like, I love you. I want to see you be the best you can be. And you can't if you continue to do that. So you need to get your shit together. I don't give up on her, but I do push her to do the right thing. And I love the NFL. I want the NFL to do the right thing. Do right by your players. Do right by your fans who watch the game. Do right by the players who built the game for you. And do right by the people that are going to watch and play this game in the future. I could definitely go on for hours about the business aspects of it. But right. we've gone way over time already. And there's a bunch of other things I still want to touch on. Uh, Naomi Osaka basically quit the French Open because she was getting pressured to talk to the media and didn't want to, just didn't feel like she could. Well, she, I mean, she, she put out a statement and said, listen, I'm going to play, but I don't want to talk to the media. Um, that comes with a fine. I think she was pretty open to accepting it. She had talked to the governing body of tennis, I think the WTA or, or whoever that it is. That is right. Um, and it's a little murky on how the communication went. I, I guess she didn't communicate with them great. Initially, afterwards, they reached out to her. They really couldn't come to an agreement, so she stepped out of the tournament and said, look, I'm going to take time away from this tournament, and I'm going to take a time away from the game to kind of figure my shit out and get, you know, get emotionally better and work with you know, the, the, the tennis association about how we can make you know, dealing with the media better for the players. Right? Like, right. And I think she did the right thing, like, listen, if you, like, I, I think if a player doesn't want to talk to the media, they get fined. That's the penalty. Sure. And I'm, fi- I'm fine with them being fined. And I'm fine with the player deciding, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, Marshall if they can, Lynch was the poster boy. Right. If you, if you can afford to pay the fine and you don't want to talk, like, I mean, you don't, I, I don't believe that the players owe it to talk to the media. And the reason why is because I think the media has abused their responsibility. You've had a lot of people in the media over the last 20, 30 years, as long as there's been sports, who have intentionally gone out of their way to hurt players, to hurt their careers, to bring them shame. And, you know, these guys have lives for the purposes of, you know, their their own rising star um, to put themselves on the map or just because they just flat out don't like a player and they get a bug up their ass and they want to do whatever they can to expose a player for being something that he is or maybe something that he's not. 
And or I she think, in this game. Or she, right, or they. And I think that because of the amount of that that's gone in the past, that's gone on in the past, um, I'm okay with players saying, I don't know you shit, right? Like, sure. do we want the entire league to do that? No. But if you've got a player who says, listen, I don't have the, I don't have the mental, I, I can't do this. Right. Right. I, then I, why the fuck am I going to hold? Like, you know, and I think back, you know what I think about with this is Ricky Williams. Oh yeah, Ricky Williams wore the helmet at the press wore the helmet yep. wore the like he like and he still talks about it to this day. If you yeah. ever catch him on an interview, about the level of anxiety he had dealing with the media, with the amount of pressure that was on him, um, he just didn't like to do it. And Ricky, you know, I mean, it didn't go great for him in New Orleans. Um, you know, he ended up kind of being reborn in Miami, um, and and you know was great for them, um, but. Talking to the media was never his thing. He didn't like to do it. He didn't want to do it. And they really came down on him hard. And, you know, that's a big reason why he started smoking. Or, well, no. he smoked <laughs> weed. Because um, he smoked weed long before he got to the NFL, I think. Um, but it was a big reason why. Because weed helps with anxiety for, for some people. Um, but, I mean, no different than what's going on here with Osaka and I mean, she took some criticism. She took some oh, yeah. heat. A lot of people went after lot, her, especially people in the media. You owe this to us. Without us, you are nothing, and you need us. Like we, we are an integral part. And you know what? You're not wrong. One, you sound really shitty saying that to a 23 year old girl who's clearly telling you she's going through some mental shit right now. Um, and they attacked her and said, "Oh, well, she's not good on clay, and she's just doing this to get out of playing on clay." Like, okay, like well, I mean. Yeah, go ahead. Say, the other part of that is, talk about over-self-importance. The fucking media. Look, yes, we do watch the uh, post-game interviews or whatever, but when I watch a football game, I care who won the game. If you want to talk to my favorite player or my least favorite player after the game, I may or may not watch. But the media is so self-important and self-aggrandizing. Yes. It's, and I, Honestly, I don't know a thing about Naomi Osaka before this, um, I want to throw the ball back into your court and say, um, <laughs> Venus Williams had some comments. Well, right, because they, you know they asked Venus Williams about it, and you know they're like, well, "How do you deal with dealing with the media?" And she was like, "Listen, I know that everyone asking me a question can't play tennis as well as I can, and that helps me sleep at night." And I'm just like, "Yes, I knew you love that when you Slay. when you tweeted that. I loved it. Slay um, you tall, then, lanky. My, oh, I loved it. I mean, and and listen." I, I I get it, right? Like, I mean, she, one, she's not wrong. She's not. There's not a. She did not tell a lie, um, and I think for some people that's how you do it. I mean, I think some people carry that chip on their shoulder. But listen, the media is pressing this girl to talk, right? And this because of that type of pressure, because of that type of backlash that Naomi Osaka received. That's why you have Michael Jordan, Peyton Manning. And Bill Belichick with the wor- they were some of the worst interviews, interviews while oh they, when they played, right? It was just like yeah, it was a good team effort, and and we got together, right. and you know, and glad we won, and we're on to the next game, right? Like that was sure. all three of those guys. That was their signature thing. Bernie Kosar was another one who gave really bland, terrible interviews that the media hated and people hated. But the reason why this is why, right? Because if you don't say what people expect you to say or if you or if you if, if you don't give the media something right that they're going to attack you and they're going to write their own story right right they're going to make it they're going to they're going to come up with reasons the day, why when print media was everything certain athletes got destroyed in print media oh, yeah. come, i'm going to throw out roger maris as a prime example roger maris got murdered 
in the New York um, tabloids and New York papers because he wasn't likable. He was a hick from South Dakota. Mickey Mantle was the golden boy. Mr. New York, even though he was from Oklahoma. And Roger Maris was tortured by New York media. He really was, trust me. Okay, I, uh, I I know the story very no, well. No, no, no. I'm just trying to do the math. Were you old enough? No, but I've read about oh, it and seen the movies. Okay. And, no, that happened in 1961. I was born okay. in 71. Okay. Fuck you. Let's be over moving on to a similar situation where Kyrie Irving comes out and says, Hey, Boston, you know, I know we didn't have a great time. Please don't boo me, whatever. Boo him. You can boo. Don't throw shit at him. Someone throw a fucking water bottle at him. Look, I, I'm not a guy who boos, but... No. Or I do booze, but I don't boo athletes. But um, <laughs> yeah, whatever. What? I drink too much booze. Um, <clears throat> but boo, 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 boo. yeah. Uh, but when you know, if you want to yell words at me, uh, there's variable levels of that. You want to boo me? That's your way of saying I don't appreciate you as an athlete. Fine, booing is fine. You throw something at me physically, you're assaulting me. Yeah. I mean, if you are successful at it, you could be. Causing physical harm, but just chucking a water bottle at somebody is it well, should be a it, crime. No, the good, well, no, the guy got arrested. <laughs> oh, and did he? He okay. was charged. With, good. He was charged with good. assault with a deadly weapon. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Good. I didn't see. I that thought the too. deadly weapon thing was a little yeah. extreme. What but was, was now, it? if it was a glass bottle, I would say okay. Right. But yeah, or if, okay. But or, listen, or if it was like a four loco, that could. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, listen, I, I don't have a problem with the guy being charged, and that's I'm the right glad thing. He's charged. But I mean, the reality is, one, that guy's lucky that wasn't Ron Ortest, Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> And Steven Jackson, because that would have not ended well for him, and he probably still would have gone to jail. Um, you know, I mean, and the whole point of the NBA cracking down hard on this kid who threw the bottle was because of what happened in uh, uh, Detroit, Detroit with, 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 with the Pacers. Metal World Peace. Right. I mean, it, like, and that was an ugly scene. That was oh, horrific. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you got players going in the stands. You got just, I mean, I, I remember distinctly Jermaine O'Neal squaring up with a guy who thought he was tough because, oh, you're a basketball player and blah, 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 blah. And the guy squares up with Jermaine O'Neal, who's not really, like, I mean, he, some people call him a soft NBA player, which, mm, yeah, okay. fine, whatever. But he's still 6'6", 280 pounds, and O'Neal's from the hood. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> and O'Neal dropped him. Right, like the guy squared up with him, said something, and I remember it was just one snuff, and the guy was gone, right, like just out of the screen. And then O'Neal stepped over him, and then you know, like walks Onto off. The next one, yeah. Right, I mean, and it's just like that was a, a horrific thing. So the, yeah, the NBA is cracking down on this sort of thing. Um, I think that they were a little tentative on how to deal with people saying, uh, uh, being, you know, saying obscenities and obnoxious things about players in the stands. Um, but when you start with assaulting people, then you, you got to get the hammer dropped on you, and what happened to this kid was the right thing. Yep. I have no sympathy. I think no. it was, I mean... Again, you want to boo? I, listen, boo I have no love for Kyrie. Right? I have no uh, love for Kyrie, the way he left here. Um, you know, I just everything right. about the fact that for, you know, his entire time in Boston, he wouldn't even play against Cleveland. Every time they came uh, to Cleveland, he, for some reason, oh, he had a hamstring, or he couldn't, he was right. sick, or whatever. Um, so I've got very little, I, I appreciate him helping us win a championship, but the way he left and the way he's acted since, fuck him, but I don't want this to happen, right. I, and I, this is unacceptable. I, I typically don't boo athletes, I would not have booed Kyrie, but I would have not have judged anyone for booing him. Right. But yelling boo and throwing a projectile, 
two different, different things. things. Yep. yep. All right, man. We got to wrap this up, but real quick, Logan Paul is fighting Floyd Mayweather on Sunday. This will come out just before that happens. Okay. Do you give a fuck? I do not. Me either. There's no. I happen- just. There's I, no. I just, there's it's, no it's outcome to make. Like, I mean, this isn't boxing. It's I a don't, clown I don't show. Know what this is I, after I, I fucking just, clown show. I, it's. I'm, you know, Floyd's gonna make a buck. He, he, you know, that's just his thing. And um, I think, uh, look, if Logan Paul wants to box, then do it the right way. Fight someone real. Fight, fight, fight yeah. your way up through the ranks. Fight real fighters, not Who some guy thirty pounds smaller than you and eighteen years older than you. Right, like all, like just go, go be a boxer. Right, right, like earn your way to the top. He's like, an influencer, Steve. I, I don't give a fuck. Right? I don't but either. this, I like. I'm not gonna support this. I'm Me not either. gonna watch this. I, 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 I no. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm annoyed. We're even acknowledging it. I get why it's important, but at the same time, no. I'm, we could ignore. No. We could acknowledge it for saying it's just Garbage. a fucking current clown show. We should wrap up real quick, though. <laughs> there was a lot of shit t- said about. Um, LeBron not shaking hands. I did not see what happened, but I know what I heard. And did you happen to see the end of the game? Okay. I didn't either. People were saying, he's unsportsmanlike, he's going to shake hands. If I'm going to guess things, and if I end up being wrong, tweet the hell out of me, at Jim underscore Whiskey Kong, on, on Twitter, you know, email me, whatever. I'm guessing LeBron left. I know he walked off the court injured with a, like five minutes to go. Um, in the game, he was frustrated by it. The, his team was losing. He was getting bounced in the first round for the first time in his career. Well, those are two separate things. Like so, like the but, game before, he walks off because they got dusted. I mean, they were down like thirty in the first quarter. Um, like I think his teammates combined for ten points in game four or five or something like that. Like that the can't whole be the game. entire. That can't be right. Yeah, the entire team. Yes. Ooh. No. But besides him. I understand. Right. It, was, I understand. it was one of the worst performances in the in the playoffs ever. Um, but I mean, look, I, I think LeBron has been known to be a sore loser and a crybaby. Um, that's an asterisk against him. Yeah, I don't care, right? Like, okay. I mean, I don't care. This team is not good. I mean, this without. Anthony Davis, this team, even, like, LeBron's not enough, and Anthony Davis by himself is not enough. Like, those two are literally the only two, you know, NBA players on the team, really. Uh, You know, the rest of those guys are G League. So, it's, like, this is a, without Anthony Davis, this is the expected outcome. LeBron's pissed about it. He's a sore loser. I don't care. I don't care. Right? Like, I don't care about people being sore losers. Or so, oh, it teaches poor sportsmanship. Oh, because you care so much about poor sportsmanship that you threw a bottle at Kyrie Irving. Right? right. Like, I mean, it's just like, come on. All right. I, 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 again, I didn't see enough. I was, I was hoping you had. We didn't have a chance. No, nah, I just honestly, I, like, with the Cavs not being good. in it, like, I mean, I don't, I don't care, care about the NBA. I'm, I'm not I'm an NBA it. guy. Uh, basketball I'll, wasn't my sport. So, I, I, you know, I, like, I care, I care about the Cavs. Right? I'm a Cavs fan. I'm not an NBA fan. You know, basketball just isn't my thing. I'm a football. I'll talk football all day, any day, at almost any level. I was talking to somebody about, like, Little League football the other day. But basketball just not my thing, right? Like, I used to get really into, like, the NCAA tournament, college ball, and everything else. Now I'm just like, fuck it. Who the fuck do I? I don't care. I don't care about basketball. I use it on FanDuel to lose money. And the NFL and football is my shit, and I love baseball. So, you know. All right. I'd like to talk more football, but not to bore the rest of our audience with it. So thank you for listening. We are at Whiskey Congress on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for listening. Good seeing you, brother. Mm -hmm. We're done. Godspeed. Godspeed.